Welcome to the Players Hall Podcast. I'm C2C Jack Wachtella, here with C1C Jack Calkins, my boss. <laughs> and joining us today is C1C Michael Harrington, the current Wing King. So, Michael, uh, thanks for being on the show. And sure. start off by just giving us kind of like a quick elevator pitch about yourself and why you're here and all that good stuff. Yeah, for sure. Appreciate y'all reaching out. Um, good afternoon. C1C Michael Harrington, uh, current cadet wing commander. Um, from Flower Ranch, Georgia. I was a cross-country runner in high school. It's always kind of been a, a runner, if you will, and a lot of people don't enjoy running. Um, yeah, I came to the academy. I knew I wanted to do something with myself. I wanted to serve. Um, I never really got to travel much either, and so I wanted to get a chance to go see the world and do something that meant something, if you will, while I was doing that. Um, coming to the academy, I've always kind of been involved in training in some type of way. Um, so as a, as a four degree, I did a lot of stuff with the Cadet Honor Guard. There's a lot of training involved in that. Um, as a three degree, I was involved in training the Honor Guard four degrees. Um, and I've also got involved with space operations, training, um, turning up new satellite operators with the Cadet Space Squadron. Um, and then also um, working BCT for two summers now, as once, once as a flight NCO and then once as a director of training. So it's a big training focus for me. I think I really get a lot out of um, developing people and watching them grow. So that was kind of a drive for me to become the Cadet Wing Commander, if you will, and apply for that position as I really wanted to try and um, help develop people on a larger scale and contribute to their development um, on that larger scale and, you know, not just you know, kind of fly by first year, it's pretty easy in a lot of ways to kind of just check off boxes, but I wanted to try and leave a legacy and, and do something that meant something as a first year. So it's kind of why I'm here now. Um, it's been a crazy ride these past 20 lessons. I'm excited for the last 20. It's already flown by, but um, yeah, it's pretty much me. How's that going so far? Like your, your, expect your expectations versus what's going on right now with you and is everything kind of matching up or is it proving to be something a little bit different than what you expected? Yeah, so I mean, like with anything, it's hard to prepare for it. You just kind of have to go into it. Um, you know, I was speaking with the former cadet wing commanders from the, the last two semesters because they were casuals here, um, and they gave me a lot of perspective and, you know, kind of a heads up, if you will, on some things, but they're still just kind of one of those things you just got to get in there and get your feet wet. So um, there's been some things, I think the, you know, the, the, the staff meetings and the day-to-day, -day, the leading new formation, the pretty visible things that everybody sees, obviously, are pretty easy to expect, but um, what you don't expect is just the, I guess, the the way that emotions play into you know what you do every day in terms of how people will perceive stuff that you say, how people will perceive the different policies. You know, maybe I come up with something, I'm like, oh, this will be a great thing for the cadet wing, and then it, in action, it ends up being horrible, and the cadet wing hates it, and you know, it's it's a it's a bad look. And at the end of the day, you know, I'm just trying to do the best that I can for the wing, and sometimes it doesn't come out that way. But overall, it's been awesome. General Moga is an has been an awesome commandant to us so far in terms of really letting us. Um, lead, if you will. I'm um, giving that us that opportunity to fail and kind of putting his inputs when he needs to, um, but really just letting us lead the cadet wing. We've been really appreciative of that. So, What do you think uh, your vision is then, knowing that Joe Moga really backs the cadet wing yeah. 100%? What's your vision uh, going forward here from, from Prague on? Yeah, so I think General Moga is really, you know, we talk about a lot, come in with this warfighter mindset. And for me, you know, this first 20 lessons, a lot of this a lot of my mission and vision, if you will, was really just bringing the wing out of COVID. Um, a lot of the first things that we did weren't really new to some of the upper two in terms of like, oh, we're starting new mill, we're starting AMIs, but they were new to the underclassmen and they were just new to COVID USAFA. Um, so that was kind of, I saw my role as being that wing commander that brought us out of COVID. Um, now this second 20 lessons, we're really looking at helping on the cadet level, bringing out that warfighter mindset. You know, at the end of the month, we've got the warfighter week coming up. We're gonna have a bunch of different warfighters that are out there doing the fight right now, come and talking to the wing. Um, I just spoke with the cadet earlier today. We're looking to see if we can't get some more of those briefs that we just had during the Commandant's Challenge regarding the um, China threat brief, Russia threat brief. Um, trying to get more of those specifically for first D's, possibly two degrees, since they're the ones that are about to go out there and do that fight. So 
I'm really trying to look and see, you know, how I can help affect that mission and that vision of that General Moga has. Um, obviously, there's not much that the Cadet Wing Commander can change in 20 lessons in terms of large scale. We've already done a lot of that there in the first 20 lessons. So these last 20, like I said, I'll just really be trying to drive home that warfighter mindset and do what we can to help support that mission. Smooth sailing. Fingers crossed. Hopefully, hopefully. <laughs> How do you view the current state of the Cadet Wing now that we're moving out of COVID? I know you kind of mentioned a little bit, but yeah, just, so, just for any of the grads listening to the podcast and for sure. interested in um, so like with anybody coming out of COVID, we had to kind of relearn how to do some things, how to interact with each other, how to, uh, you know, wear our uniforms properly, how to march, all those things that should be normal cadet activities. Um, we just had to get back in the rhythm of it. And so the, those first few weeks, they were a little rough, not going to lie. Um, we had some pretty, pretty good feedback from permanent party, like, hey, this is not, not looking where it needs to be. And we agreed, you know. Um, but I think if you go out there now, you'll see the wing, you know, new mills back what it should be. Um, AMI standards, they're back where they need to be. You know, our SAMI scores for the past two SAMIs, they've been above the historical average for Cadet Wing SAMI. So I think we're on the right track. Um, and of course, there's always stuff we can get better at. Um, but yeah, and overall, I think we're doing a good job. We're on the right track, all things considered, coming out of COVID. So as the Wing Commander, and since this is an honor podcast, yeah, <laughs> we'll start getting to the, uh, the meat and potatoes of, sure. the, of the honor stuff. So right now, where do you see of the state of the cadet wing in regards to honor. Yeah. Um, so it's no secret that the the past few years, especially as that we've been here on um, the class of 22, we, there's been a numerous amounts of different cases, especially with the whole, some of the college check gate, you know, we went home for finals. There's a lot of issues with cadets feeling like, you know, they weren't learning very well online and they felt that the only option for them was to, you know, cheat on their finals um, in a lot of ways. Um, I think we've done a lot of course correction. I think the superintendent, the commandant all the way down, as well as you guys, honor staff, have done a great job of reminding the cadet wing of, you know, this isn't an option. This is what we embody. This is what we do. Um, you know, everything we do, we, we live honorably, and that's not just a buzzword. That's something that we actually do, and that's required of us as officers. Um, so, it's, you know, it's, it's not perfect. You know, we, that's evident by the fact that we still have, you know, a few honor boards going on. Um, we've had a few this semester, but I would say compared to what it was during COVID, again, coming out of COVID, all things considered, it's gotten a lot better. Um, I think also with the revamp of our honor education system, um, the journaling system now, the four degrees, they're actually having to sit down and think about, you know, what does this honor lesson mean to me? Or what does this honor concept, if you will, mean versus just sitting in a briefing and kind of trying to absorb that information? They're actually thinking about it. So I think we're in, I think we're in the right track. That's a pretty honest assessment. Um, I agree with you from the honor standpoint, like we... We weren't where we needed to be, yeah. and I feel like we're moving in that right direction. For With sure. the four degree journals, if you ever want to write one, I'll send you the topic. And, For sure, yeah, I'd love to. <laughs> send that over to the four degrees, I'm sure they'd love to hear it. <laughs> awesome, yeah. So, I mean, like any other cadet here at USOP, everybody kind of brushes up against the honor system, you know, during their time here. Have you ever come close or, like, witnessed, like, somebody close to you get an honor hit, or you, you yourself, your integrity's challenge, or anything like that? Yeah, for sure. I'd say, you know, this semester too, um, there's been a couple times where my schedule, I just get so busy and I'm sitting there and I'm like, I'm not going to get this done. Um, and of course, you know, whether regardless of how honorably you live, there's always going to be that thought back in your mind of, oh, I could probably look this up or I could go find this. But yep. at the of the day, you know, what example would I be setting? Like, I could not imagine what would happen if the cadet, if, if any of the service academy, you know, cadet commanders, if you will, got an honor hit. <laughs> um, and also, that's just not who I am. Um, and what I end up doing is usually I'll just go talk to my teacher and, and I'll be like, hey, you know, I'm, I have some extra duties right now, believe it or not. Um, if there's a little bit going on, so, um, <laughs> just a couple. <laughs> I would appreciate, you know, if I've come to them in advance, you know, I got a few days in advance. If you could give me an extension or if we could sit down and talk about this, um, and they're usually pretty receptive. So, and I would just say to anybody else that is brushing up against those things, there's always another way. 
Um, you know, as long as you are thinking ahead and you are doing what's in your best interest and the Academy's best interest, the honor code's best interest, um, there's always going to be a way to not, you know, have that violation. As a cadet wing commander, uh, obviously you're, you're the top guy, the top dog in charge of, you know, 4,000 cadets. And we've talked in, in some of the past podcasts about the importance of trust. Yeah. Um, so when you're dealing with other cadets, um, how do you trust that, you know, they're 18 to 24 year olds that are, how do you trust that they're doing the right thing and that they're giving you what you need to hear? Yeah. Um, so the two, I guess, people or groups that I work with the most are going to be my wing staff and then our group commanders. Um, for the group commanders, that trust is pretty inherent. Um, they were picked the same process I was, right? We all have the top seven interviews. Um, I, there's no doubt in my mind that any of our group commanders or the vice wing commander or wing DO, any of them could do my job. Um, so I know that I have no reason not to trust them, and they've shown me this, these past 20 lessons and through their support of me, support of our staff, um, and just through their execution that there's no reason not to trust them. Um, in terms of wing staff, obviously it's a little di- different scenario. Um, we hire all of our wing staff instead of them getting picked. Um, but when we went into wing staff interviews for the, you know, the positions that we hire, I told them, hey, you know, this is what I want to see in a wing staff. I don't want you to just be checking off boxes. Um, you know, the CS&D, the, the rules and regulations of your position, those are a baseline you should be looking for ways to innovate and, and go above those. And so people that agreed to that and they showed us that in their interview, um, that, you know, they were picked for those jobs and now they're on the staff. Um, and we just communicate, I communicate all the time with them. Hey, you know, um, these are our expectations and they always met those expectations. So um, I also know, again, going back to being busy, there is no way that I could micromanage every single thing in the cadet wing. Um, so I send my staff taskers and every once, depending on what it is, if it's a little bit more critical, I'll follow up more often, but otherwise I just expect them to get it done. And, you know, nine times out of 10, they will every once in a while something happens, you know, cadets are cadets, it's cadet life. Uh, we follow up and usually, you know, find a way to course correct. But I think for the most part, the type of cadets that we have here, especially the type of cadets that want to serve um, those upper leadership positions, you know, they're on the same mindset as us. They want to get the job done, um, do it well. So there's no reason not to trust them. So it's peer to peer leadership. And yeah. that might be some of the hardest stuff that we have to deal with here as oh, cadets. Sure. Um, you walk down the TZO and you can't get to Mitch's without seeing something that you, that you need to to say something about. Yeah. So how do you, how do you deal with that? Um, being in your position that it's something that's expected of not only you, but also the cadet wing. So what's your response to, uh, to individuals who aren't upholding the standards? Yeah. So I'd say the number one, um, one of, or at least one of the most important qualities of a cadet wing commander, or really just anyone in a cadet leadership position here is the relatability piece. You know, I could walk around the Terrazzo all day, handing out form tens, correcting people, you know, giving them pulling 341s from the duallys, yeah. um, being rude, but that's not going to get the point across, right? That's just going to make them resent the cadet wing commander, and that's going to make them not really get any better. Um, so for me, whenever I do make those corrections, because some so every once in a while, you know, you, you can let certain things slide depending on the severity, um, especially when you're trying to get somewhere you can't stop, and like you were saying, correct every single, every single thing you, uh, you see. Right. Um, when you do stop that person, it's just having that quick conversation, like, hey, you, you know, this is unbuttoned, or... Uh, make sure you know you're greeting loudly. Whatever it is, you don't have to stop and start shooting them out. Um, you don't have to go full BCT cadre mode all the time. Boy, that would be um, fun. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, no, I think it's just about being relatable. Um, it's about you know explaining that why you know hey we've got visitors on the terrazzo today. You know today's reunion day. We've got all these these graduates walking around. You know you want to show them that because we know they know the standard. You know they they were taught the standard. It's just sometimes we forget. We get caught up. So um, it's it's hard. We don't always want to correct people. That's the least favorite part of my job. I do not like walking around and making corrections, but. Um, I know it's required of me to set that example and, you know, the rest of wing staff and leadership to do that. So, yeah. And not to sound, also also to kind of, not to derail this conversation and yeah. also not to sound ignorant. 
Yeah. But you're you are the uh, honor guard TO, correct? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So honor guard, I, I'm extremely ignorant of like what you guys are all about and what you do a lot. For sure. Half half the half the word is I mean, half half of the uh, <laughs> the name is honor. Yeah. yeah. So how does is, is does it play in or is it just kind of like just just for just for my sake and everybody else listening. Yeah, so uh, the Cadet Honor Guard, we, uh, you know, there is that honor piece that's in the name. Um, it, it's less about that, you know, that academic integrity and that making the right choice. It's more about honoring others. Okay. Um, so any detail the Cadet Wing needs, you know, Redley Retreat, we have people out there every day, rain or snow, you know, doing, doing Redley Retreat. Uh, Cadet Wing Color Guard for new mill formation. Um, when we had a, a teammate from the class of 20 pass away, as you all remember, and we did a funeral for him. Uh, so any detail um, that the Cadet Wing needs, we perform. Um, so again, it's more of that other aspect of honor of, like I said, honoring those that have, you know, paid the ultimate sacrifice or those that have um, won a certain award or promotion ceremonies, you know, anything like that, that would be honoring someone's performance or their, their lives, really. And you've been very involved in training the freshmen, correct? Like the, your three degree year and also the last two years with the being training officer. Yeah, so uh, I did, had a lot of, to do with the class of 24 and 23. Um, class of 25, I go out when I can, obviously a little, <laughs> a little busy this semester, so I make it out when I can. I do a little bit more of an admin role as the TO. Uh, this semester, but I'm excited next semester when I have some more free time to get out there and help contribute to the, the end of their training. Um, but yeah, and when I go out there, I just try to tell them, hey, you know, you guys, you said the example, you know, we hold our four degrees on the team to a very high standard. Um, you know, we expect them to not only just uphold the standard, but help their classmates, you know, enforce and uphold those standards. So um, they're a good group of kids. Michael, I, uh, I like the fact that honor guard is really the <laughs> other kind of honor, and yeah. that's not a thread we pull at very much. Um, on this podcast, right? Yeah. So far, we've been mainly focused on integrity first. Yeah. But can you talk a little bit about what the other kind of honor is and what it means to you? Yeah, so I think the best way maybe I can explain this is kind of an abstract concept really is kind of give you the first experience where I really understood and realized what I was doing, what it meant, and how impactful it was. So a year or two ago, we had an instructor pass away, um, and I was chosen to do the uh, 21 Gun Salute firing party um, detail for them. And uh, we'd been practicing for weeks and weeks. We had done um, live fires down on the parade field, getting ready. We want to make sure all the shots are in time, all that kind of stuff. Um, so the night, it, uh, it was snowing. Uh, we were in overcoats, full, you know, strapped up, ready to go. Um, got on top of the hill. And as we turned at a face movement, I saw um, their entire family at the bottom of the hill. Um, and, you know, we fired that first shot of the 20 gun salute, and I just had a tear roll down my eye, and I realized that, you know, it is possible to die, if you will. You know, I'd never really been in that situation. Um, I didn't really deal with a lot of death when I was younger. Um, but seeing them, seeing that happen, um, seeing their, you know, the, the sadness in them, the remorse that they had, um, and knowing that I was paying a very small part in helping contribute to honoring, if you will, uh, that individual. So I guess really to go back and try and answer your question, it's, it's about taking time out of your day, taking time out of really your life to just show respect for others that have done more than you have, uh, more than you could ever do, especially when it's that ultimate sacrifice. Um, I think a lot of times we, you know, as cadets get caught up in the day-to-day, we don't think about the fact that, hey, we very much well could pay that ultimate sacrifice. Um, You know, we just had a classmate in the class of 23 pass away this past summer, you know. um, I knew him pretty well, C2C Nick Duran. Um, He was a great guy, you know. That was another time really hit me that, hey, this this kind of stuff happens. And so, you know, as on the Cadet Honor Guard, at least, we do the we do whatever we can to try and show that person um, and their family, you know, how thankful we are for their service and for what they've done. A lot of times, I think, as cadets, we don't really think about that yeah. side, like you said, but it's coming up quick, oh, two, yeah. 229 days until we commission <laughs> or something something like that. Yeah. What is the importance of having that side, 
the, the two sides of honor, we'll say, for the sake of the podcast, integrity first, and then honoring those who um, have gone before you. What's the importance of that side, that second side, yeah. as an officer? I think like with anything, um, especially in the cadet world, we're always asking for a why. We're asking for that reason. Um, and I think that second side of honor is that why and that reason, if you will. Um, you know, you're talking about, oh, why does it matter if I cheat on this test? Why does it matter if I, you know, cut a corner on this? Uh, well, people can die, right? You know, you don't screw in a bowl away and an, air, and an aircraft wing falls off, people die. Um, and I think that why piece is really what ties it together. Um, you know, on, on that side of honor, if you will, we see the, the you know, the, the darker side, that, you know, that dead side, whatever it may be. Um, and I think that's what really drives it home for our team. And we try and whenever we do different details, we try and, you know, remind people that that's, that's why, that's why we do what we do. Um, and I hope it kind of ties it back and makes it a little bit more real. Are you thinking about that when you put up the flag? Every time. Every time? Yeah. Every time you um, walk past the, the honor wall? Every time, yeah. When we uh, are four degrees after practice, it's a team tradition that we march to dinner. And every single time we pass the honor wall, we give them an eyes right, um, salute the honor wall. Um, you know, sometimes every morning I'll have like regularly duty, I might forget. I'm like, oh crap, I gotta go put the flag up. Um, but every single time I get out there, it's doesn't matter. I just know that you know it's an honor and a privilege that I get to raise the flag at the United States Air Force Academy. Um, I get to be here, I get to serve, so um, it's a privilege. Yeah, a lot of people can, one, say that, or two, be able to witness something like that just about every day. Yeah. I mean, we see the flag go up, we hear the national anthem play at 445. Yeah, like, yeah. Like that's it's pretty, easy to that's forget pretty, about what it means. And, yeah, that's um, pretty cool. Yeah, it's, it's an awesome opportunity. Michael, do you think your perception that people have of you as a wing commander is accurate? Like, how people view you as a wing commander is accurate to what you're actually doing, like, in your position. Do you think that the cadet wing is, like, how they view your actions kind of matches up with what you think you're doing? First, I'll say I don't know, because I'm not one of those people. <laughs> um, I would hope so. You know, that I think that's any commander, whether it's cadet commander, real commander, is hope that what they're doing is getting across appropriately. I think sometimes it does. Um, sometimes it doesn't. For, you know, we had the Commandant's Challenge this <laughs> past day. We had some issues with the scoring, and we tried to fix it. And the way that we fixed it obviously ended up uh, not being the, necessarily the best course of action. And the, that why, that reason didn't come across too well. Um, I think people that know me understand a little bit better. Like I'm a pretty um, outgoing guy. I love, you know, enjoy having fun, having good conversation. Um, but sometimes, you know, I'll make a decision, and it's easy for people just to say, oh, you know, stick it to the guy. You know, blame me. Which that's part of my job, and I understand that. I'm, you know, I take blame when someone on my team or someone on the staff uh, messes up. I have no issue with that. Um, but I would just challenge people that haven't been in positions like that before to really, you know, think about what they would do in certain situations before you judge somebody. Um, especially after this, I would I will never judge anybody for making a decision until I've sat down and talked to them or been in their position because it's just it's, it's stressful and especially when you're given like with the Commandant Challenge, we were given about 15 minutes to make a lot you know a last minute decision on scoring and there's there's time pressure. You got other people giving you feedback and inputs, and at the end of the day, you just got to execute. Um, you got to make a decision and go with it, and that's what we did um, in that example. But um, yeah, to answer, I don't really know. I hope so. I hope so. I know in some cases it hasn't, but. Um, I do my best to try and message appropriately to make sure that people do perceive me the way that I am attempting to be perceived. It, it, it is cliche, like with everybody's like, oh, you have to be able to take feedback when you're in these positions. Like I live with the RO guy. Like I live with Dan. <laughs> Dan yeah, is yeah. taking feedback all the time. I have to see For him. Sure. I actively see him take feedback yeah. almost every minute, you know, uh, whether it be on Yodel or whatever. But it's, it, I think it's still important, though. Yeah, you got to aggressively seek feedback, and, that, and that's what I tell my people. And every single time I say anything to our squadron commanders or group commanders, I'm like, my door is always open. I don't mean that in like a cliche way. Like, please, if I'm doing something wrong, I want to know about it. There's no reason that I should keep messing up just because you're nervous to come talk to me. So, agree 100%. Yeah, it's a common trend with a lot of people we've interviewed with the um, 
the trust because you can't really have trust if everybody's kind of blowing smoke oh, yeah, you know, in your sure. direction and, and especially with General Moby he was talking about um, how he has to really have this trust with everybody he works with and everybody who you know is in his office and on his floor and in the cadet wing and if he doesn't have this sort of foundational trust then he can't um, improve himself and I think yeah. that, that that's a huge, a huge factor in the success of the wing and, and the legacy you want to leave behind you can't really improve if you don't know what to do yeah, if you can't trust each other to execute you're not going to execute so. exactly exactly Michael, I want to go back to the the comms challenge case study, we'll call it. <laughs> so the comms challenge yeah. case study uh, has received a lot of attention from the cadet wing yes. in the past couple of days and yeah. being, being with the ground troops um, in class. There's been a lot of feedback, like, they lied to us, yes. um, they're, they're out to get us, it's a permanent party against cadets kind of thing. Yeah. I think what people are missing is that, um, not to put it in honor terms, but, like, there's an act and then there's also the intent. Like, yeah. like the scores got messed up. Um, but you guys didn't intend to screw the whole wing. Like yeah. it, it wasn't an intent to to deceive you, right, the right. cadet wing, into you know performing better because they thought they had some chance of getting out of a Sammy. Yeah. Right. So can you talk a little bit about that the act and intent piece as the cadet wing commander? So what ended up happening? You know, there was fault on a lot of sides. There were some issues with cadet graders. There was issues from us on the cadet command side and, and with our execution. There were some issues with the permanent party. You know, we had a meeting with them. We gave some inputs on the op board and the frag board. Um, and some of those inputs ended up getting changed after cadets left the room and we were informed. Um, and permanent party, you know, they realized this and they, they owned up to it um, you know, today, actually. And, uh, you know, what, what happened, so everything happened and we got to the end of the day and we realized that the maximum score that we thought like we were going off of was supposed to be 1100 something and it ended up being like 1500. So that obviously we, we had so many, we had like 23 squadrons in that top score category and we we're like, well, that's not, they didn't really earn that, that that's not what it was supposed to be. Right. Um, not to say that people weren't putting out, like you know, everybody was putting out a comp challenge and that was one of the yeah. best parts about it, but it was just from the original intent, it, they didn't earn it from what it was supposed to, what it was supposed to be. And so um, that evening we sent that out and as you all know, it was kind of an uproar and you know, people were asking for my resignation. People thought that we were deceiving them. <laughs> Um, and that's fair. I mean, I understand yeah. why they felt that way. And I was, I was distraught. I, you know, I didn't sleep well. I was like, I don't know what we're going to do. So that next day, yesterday, um, I took bed rest. I spent most of the morning kind of just collecting thoughts, trying to figure out, you know, what is the best course of action? And then after lunch, our wing command chief, vice wing commander, um, some of our group commanders came in the room. We're like, all right, we're, we're going to figure this out. Um, you know, so we hosted a town hall session for, you know, the under three or lower three, excuse me. Um, group managers, we talked with them, came to a conclusion, we went to talk with Major Yarrington, the wing DO, for about an hour, um, realized that permanent party, you know, they, they also messed up in some way, and they were going to take ownership of that. Um, there were some words that they needed to say, and there was some action that needed to be taken, is kind of what we came to the conclusion of. So we went to a meeting with the commandant right after, about 45 minutes, um, and I said, hey, sir, um, we've messed up as a team, and I'm not saying we need to go back and reward, you know, inflated performance, if you will, inflated scores. Um, but I think the wing is deserving of something for their overall just dealing with this situation and also their just performance. And he said, what do you recommend? And I was like, so you, at the beginning of the semester, you said you wanted two, uh, two Sammies. We have demonstrated proficiency in two Sammies above the wing average. I don't see a reason to have a third one. And he said, all right, uh, we'll, we'll execute. We'll, we'll get rid of the third Sammy. And so that's what brought us to, to that. But I guess to go back to your original question, yeah. I mean, I, I don't wake up and I say, you know, how am I going to... I'm going to mess up the cadet wing today, yeah. and, and nobody in permanent party did that either, you know, and I think right. we're often quick to assume the worst in people just because we don't understand, and that's why I said before, like, I will never judge anybody without going to sit down with them, having that conversation, but 
It's just part of human nature. You know, we just want to find a reason to, to blame people, and it's understandable. You know, it's frustrating uh, for squadrons that felt like they, you know, earned something when in reality um, they were going off of a false metric, right, that wasn't correct to begin with. So uh, that was kind of the, the case study on that one, if you will. And, again, you know, nobody, nobody, people that come here, people that work here, you know, they all are working towards that common goal of developing the best segment tunes they can. So there's nobody, especially at least in, in this hallway, this wing staff that is waking up saying, you know what, how am I going to mess up the kid at wing today? So Yeah, no, uh, I was at lunch today and, and going into lunch, we're definitely in a, in a downward trajectory morale yeah. wise, but you guys pulled the nose up and uh, good recovery with the, with the canceling the Sammy. Good to hear. Good to hear. It was electric. It's <laughs> awesome. Yeah. As a cadet wing, um, I mean, we've been here almost four years now, or going on four years. Yeah. There's always been this permanent party cadet gap. For sure. Um, that cadets have really struggled with. That's almost an us versus them uh, mentality. When in reality, uh, 229 days, like I said before, we're now that other side, right? Yeah. And nothing really changed. But how do we as cadets make it? that one team thing and not the us versus them because it all ties back into trust yeah. and building that team dynamic. Nobody's out to screw anybody. Yeah, I was, I was actually going to just go back and say that, you know, I think it's two big qualities versus that trust that we've been talking about. Um, second is communication. You know, this is, this is a very weird organization. I think that's the best way to say it. When we have two dual chain of commands, we have a wing commander and a commandant. We have a group permanent party commander and a group cadet commander. Um, so sometimes it's hard to, you know, the cadet commanders, they're the ones that are supposed to be leading their groups. They'll make a call, uh, but every once in a while, a permanent party has something else cooking, if you will. <laughs> um, and they, you know, they're getting ready to pass it down, and then cadets say something, and they're like, we were just, we were about to do something. And so yeah. that's the biggest part is communication. And so uh, Major Garrington, the current wing deer, that was a big emphasis item for him, because uh, we work with him more so than the commandant a lot of the times, um, was communication. So uh, pretty much almost any email I send, he gets CC'd on it. You know, team's messages, I copy him on them. Um, every once in a while, if it's a bigger message coming from me, I also CC all of our group AOCs or permanent party group commanders um, just to make sure that everybody is tracking to try and help bridge that gap. Um, and I've also made it clear to the group, the cadet group commanders as well that you know anytime we pass something down, they need to be communicating with their permanent party counterparts to make sure that all chains of commands are tracking. Um, I think a good example of this was a couple weeks ago we restricted the four degree class due to some failure on their part to uphold their ROEs. Um, permanent party, I had gotten permission from the commandant to restrict the four degrees, but permanent party were not tracking at their level. So I sent out, hey, four degrees, you're restricted, and all of the AOCs and group AOCs, rightfully so, were like, who just restricted my four degrees? The kid at Wing Commander can't do that. The commandant has to do that. And, you know, I didn't communicate that, hey, I got permission, da 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 da. So, right. uh, you know, I apologize to the group AOCs. Um, I think that's a good learning point for me, too, because I sat down with them at the beginning of the semester and I said, hey, I'm big on communication, and then I clearly, in that instance, did not communicate. So I think it was a good learning point for me, and um, good another case study, if you want to call it a case study, if you will, on yeah. you know, why that's so important, especially that dual chain of command. But I think it goes back to communication and trust. Communication, uh, for sure, for sure. Um, just one more question before I hand it off yeah. to Jack uh, to wrap it up. So we talk about the honor code, right? Um, and it's kind of a, a negative thing, right? I will not do these these things, right? Yeah. Um, and then we we also have that other feedback chain on, on the training side, right? And we restrict four degrees yep. for you know poor performance. Yep. And I think there's some value in that, right? Because obviously it works. Performance turns around when you're restricted because you want to go out to fuzzies or whatever on the weekend, <laughs> right? But how do you think we should change that mentality, especially around the honor code, um, to try to make it a we will live honorably mentality? Yeah. 
you know, I think a lot of it's a mindset and it, it's hard to affect someone's behavior and mindset. Uh, for me personally, I don't see the honor code as a negative. I do see it as a, instead of an, I won't do these things, I see it as I will do live honorably. I will do these things. Um, and I think it's all about the messaging too. Um, you know, unfortunately, like I said, especially during COVID, anything, if you heard the word honor code, you just assumed that it was related to somebody who just cheated on a final. And that's kind of where we were at in the wing. Um, now that we, you know, we're trying to change this honor education process, we're, you know, we're getting it added to basic cadet training. Um, you know, we're changing it in basic cadet training as well. We're hoping, you know, hoping that um, when we bring in these new cadets that they don't even have a chance to have that perception of honor code. It's just something that's there and something that they strive to um, continue to live with, you know, for the rest of their life. Um, but yeah, I think it goes back to mindset. It goes back to thinking about it in a way that will ensure that when you talk about it, when you hear it, like it's not just a, a gut reaction to think of it as a negative. It's something you're like, oh, the honor code, yeah. Like I remember I was a four degree, I was journaling, you know, this, that, and the other by the honor code, or um, I had a run in with, you know, there's a chance where I almost cheated on something or did something wrong or didn't listen to somebody or something like that, you know, honor related. And But at the end of the day, I thought back to my training and honor, my, 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 how I felt about the code, and I was able to, you know, stray away from that action or whatever it is. So, Right. Um, that's definitely the mentality that we want with the cadet wing is that they're looking back on their experience yeah. in basic um, and talking to their mentors, et cetera. But right now, I think we have kind of a negative connotation, yeah. but not a lot of cadets. There are a couple cadets in every squadron, I think we all can say names, that are almost against it, and they haven't really bought in, even if they're juniors or seniors, right? They're about to leave this place. Yeah. How do you think we could address that buy-in to the honor system uh, from your perspective? I think, uh, kind of like we were talking about earlier, we're not saying we're trying to get more of those kind of threat briefs, if you will, with the upper two classes. Um, drawing back to that why, reminding them, hey, when you're an officer, do you really think it's going to be okay to lie, cheat, and steal? Um, how far do you think you're going to get in your career lying, cheating, and stealing? You know, how do you think people are going to follow you if you were someone that lied, cheating, and You know, just kind of go back and drive it, drive the point home. Um, again, a lot of people say, oh, this is just cadet stuff. It doesn't matter. Um, I can promise you that every single day I learn a new lesson that I keep in the back of my, you know, mental toolbox that I will use as lieutenant. So, you know, people that would say that they're not learning anything or that it doesn't mean anything here, they're not, they're not putting in the time and the effort to actually sit down and think about, you know, why we do the things we do, why we march to lunch every day. Um, why we you know wake up for morning formation in the morning every day, why we do those things. Um, it just takes a little bit of that buy-in that we're talking about, um, which comes from understanding that how that's going to affect them in the future. It's hard to groom a good culture yeah. um, with those individuals in it. So how do you think if you see somebody that's you know bashing the honor code, uh, what, what would you do in that situation or how do you explain it to them besides the, you know, it's an officer thing? Yeah. Um, because we've all heard it like, you can't lie to your steel when you're yeah. when you're an officer, but then you, they see other examples where you know the honor code doesn't apply to right someone that's graduated, right? So yeah. how do you address it to them specifically? I think when you have any uh, issue with you know behavior or mindset, it's it's not something you're gonna fix right away. You know, it's not one of those spot correction type things. Um, it, it takes a conversation. It's probably gonna take a few conversations. Um, you know, sitting down with that person one on one. You know, not trying to embarrass them in any way, but showing them. You know, hey, this is how I see the honor code, and this is what led me to see it that way. Um, you know, pull up a couple examples. I know I, I can't remember the specifics, but there was that cheating scandal with uh, Mr. Lears a few years ago, and a lot of people got fired. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, showing them real world examples of this is this can affect you, and not just you, but this will affect other people. Um, this will affect your commanders who may not have even have known about it, but just because they were in command at that time, they're getting fired, and that's because of you, and there's nothing that they can do about it. Um, so if, if not for yourself, you know, do it for someone else type thing at a minimum. Um, 
but it's having those conversations of sitting down and just trying to understand, you know, why that person has such a negative view, you know, where, where are they coming from? Cause you're not going to, you're not going to change anyone's mind if you don't understand where they're coming from, you know, why they feel that way. Um, and meeting them halfway and, you know, validating their emotions and their feelings because there's a reason they feel that way. Um, so trying to get behind that root cause of those emotions and just having those conversations. And at the end of the day, you can only talk to someone so much or you can't force someone to change their mind. You know, they have to meet you halfway, like I was saying. So, Was there a moment that you can look back and say, that was when I bought into the honor code? Yeah, I would say for me, it was actually pretty early on. Um, so our class, I'm sure you remember, we had a... Uh, a decent amount of people that cheated in like a calculus quiz, I yeah, think. Like right away, as soon as we started. As soon as we started. Yeah. And um, General Silveria, our former superintendent, he pulled us into Arnold Hall and had that briefing with our entire class. And I remember, four degree me, I was shaking in my boots. Like, I wasn't even in that class. And I was like, why did I do that? And I'm like, wait, I didn't, I had to like remind myself I didn't do anything. And I think just the, that conversation that he had with us about, you know, you're not going to make it through here, first of all. Second of all, you're not going to be a good officer because, I mean, for me, that's been my life goal is to be, you know, an officer, be a leader in the military. Um, so that really struck home for me saying, hey, you're, if you do these things, you're not going to make it. And again, I didn't even do anything, but I was like, oh, crap, like, right. <laughs> I better I better get it together. So I think that was kind of my moment um, was freshman year. And it's, it's held true for the, the rest of the time I've been here. So, yeah. And a lot of people didn't make it. I mean, yeah, unfortunately. so far in our class, we've had a ton of people that have been kicked yeah. out or left for honor. And it's it's real. Yeah. That's a real thing. Yeah, it's, it's sad to see it happen, but yeah, I think in a lot of ways it's for the best sometimes. So, so Michael, just to wrap this up, I want to hear your advice to your next, your successor yeah. the, as a wing king or queen. What's, what's your one piece of advice, your parting words? Halfway through the semester, what sort of knowledge can you impart on them? Uh, I'm not going to try and talk about leadership qualities and abilities because they're going to have that. That's going to be something they come, you know, come to bat with. Um, I think two big things just that come on, come to my mind right away are you got to be relatable. Um, you got to remember that you are still a cadet. Um, at the end of the day, we are all 4,000 peers. Um, so you need to understand that, yes, there's a lot of times that you're a very real commander. I make very real command decisions in this position. But at the end of the day, when I take my uniform off, take my rank off, I go on the weekend, I'm still a cadet. And if you can't be relatable, if you can't relate to your everyday cadet, you're not going to be able to message to them appropriately. Um, and the, the second thing and last thing I would say is don't try don't get too caught up in all the day-to-day happenings you know i i even said it yesterday i was talking about it, i'm like this is such a big issue for the wing right now you know we're super emotional about this commandant challenge issue but next week there's going to be another issue and this is going to be cast to the wayside so just remembering that like yes these things are important that we're learning life you know important officer life skills from these events that we're doing but nothing we do here in the cadet wing for the most part is ever going to be life and death and you should never you know beat yourself up and be I'm so stuck on one thing that you, you know, just devolve into a, a crazy mess of getting down on yourself and getting down on your team when, you know, at the end of the day, you're doing the best that you can. Well, Michael, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Really appreciate your time. and For sure.